Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. There is so much we can do to make this world a kind of better, happier place. There is so much we can do to change the world. If you want to support It's Good to Know and the work of Rabbi Manus Friedman, please visit itsgoodtoknow.org forward slash support to join the community. So um, just a little bit of a warning. You're not going to agree with anything I say. <laughs> and that's why it's exciting. I'll throw out the statement. You tell me what you think. Love is not a good reason to marry. In fact, if you love somebody, don't marry him. It's too late. <laughs> because if you're marrying for love and you already love, what are you getting married for? Not a good question. <laughs> So if you're hoping that the marriage will bring love, okay. But if you already love each other, what are you hoping the marriage is going to do? And if you're marrying each other because of love, and then the marriage means you're going to stay together even if you don't love, that's a ridiculous promise to make. So what's the point of getting married? (laughs) I guess that's why people are not getting married. So, I don't know if you heard about this, but um, studies have shown that men and women don't get along. You heard about it? Men and women just, I mean, we tried. Like for the last 80 years, we've been trying every kind of arrangement at every age, and it's not working. Men and women don't get along. So when a couple come to me and say they're working on their relationship, I don't understand what that means. Why are you working on a relationship? It means you're trying to like each other, but it's hard. Well, then quit. Why are you working on it? Some of them even said, we're going for therapy. You don't need therapy. You're not getting along. That's normal. You find a man and a woman who do get along, they need therapy. Because <laughs> something's not right. That's why God invented marriage. <clears throat> because marriage is that magical transformation where she becomes a wife and he becomes the husband. And instead of being unable to get along, now they're inseparable. Because a man is better off without a woman. And a woman is better off without a man. But a husband is not good without a wife. And a wife doesn't exist without a husband. So imagine what would happen if a man and a woman decide to get married But he has no intentions of becoming a husband, and she has no intentions of becoming a wife. You know it's not going to work. It's just a man and a woman. They don't get along. And it's happening way too often. It's become very common to get married, but not become a wife and not become a husband. For the very simple reason, there's no glamour in it. When married women get together for an evening, what is it called? A girl's night out? Why don't you call it a wife's night out? Oh, you want to have some fun. If it's wives, you're not going to have any fun. Wives are desperate. There's no fun in that. And who wants to be a husband? Have you seen the commercials? They're the biggest wimps in the world. I think it's a plot. Remember that commercial for uh, some night uh, cough something? The guy wakes up in the middle of the night 
and he can't sleep. So he wakes his wife up <laughs> because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> so she gets up and goes to the kitchen and gets him the NyQuil and he falls asleep like a baby because he has post-nasal drip. <laughs> now who's going to want to be a husband after that? There's no glamour. There's no glamour in it. So what is the purpose of marriage? Really, what do we need it for? So again, if you already love each other, what are you getting married for? And if you don't love each other, what are you getting married for? What is this marriage thing? <laughs> Imagine a man says to a woman, please marry me. I can't live without you. Should she marry him or run away? You can't live without me? You need help if you're serious. But you're probably lying. Either way, I don't want to marry you. So there was this comedian, I forget what her name was, back, back in the 70s, I think. She was very funny and she disappeared. I don't know what happened to her. But she had this, this routine. She says, I don't trust men. Now, I learned not to trust men because I had a boyfriend and he said that if I ever left him, he would kill himself. So I left him. <laughs> they never do what they promise. <laughs> So if he says, I can't live without you, he's probably lying. If he really can't live without you, you really shouldn't marry him. So <laughs> what's a man to say? A man should say, I can exist fine without you. Obviously, I have. I can exist perfectly without you. But existing without you is not a life. So why am I marrying you? To bring a life to my existence. So if I can't exist without you, uh, I'm a really disturbed guy. I can exist without you. But what's the point? So what does marriage do? It doesn't enhance your existence. In fact, <laughs> it ruins your existence. <laughs> it really does. Because your existence means your independence, your own space, establish yourself, know yourself, have your own borders. You know what marriage does to that? It destroys it. So if you don't have a really good reason to marry, don't. Because you're giving up a lot and getting nothing. So I think marriage vows should change a little bit. Because people forget. The marriage vow should be, I hereby take you to be the only person who can ruin my existence. Because <laughs> that's what you're going to do. You're going to ruin my existence. But it's worth it if it gives my existence a content, a purpose, a life. So, what exactly is the purpose of marriage? Marriage has to exist in your mind and in your heart, independent of the person you're going to marry. Because if marriage is not appealing in and of itself, if you're not in love with marriage, then don't do it. <clears throat> to say, you know, I'm not really into, I'm not the marrying type, but you are so incredible. Oh, you I'll marry. Not a good deal. First of all, you're not that incredible. And you can't remain that incredible forever. And it's not fair to put the entire weight on the marriage on your incredible 
personality or whatever. So if you're not committed to marrying, it doesn't matter how much you love someone. Don't marry. And that's why as children, especially girls, when you were nine years old, you wanted to get married. Just not to a boy. Because you hated boys. But you wanted to be married. So marriage has to stand on its own merit. It itself has to be convincingly important and valuable enough to give up some of your existence for. So you have to put marriage before the person you marry. So that when two people get together, they're both intent on getting married. They just want to know if they can do it with each other. But to say, I fell in love with someone, so I'm going to marry him, not a good idea. Unfortunately, in our society, we worship love. Like every time, every period, every country, every has its idol, its false god. The false god of America is love. Certainly in pop psychology. Marriage is not going well, not enough love. <clears throat> Children are acting up, not enough love. But I do love him. Well, love him more. Yeah, I love him more. Well, love him even more. It's the answer to everything. And it's not working. For the last 80 years, everyone has gotten married out of love. Are we better off? Our marriage is stronger than in the times of Tevye? They're not. So something's not working. So here, first of all, is a principle concerning love. God is love in America, which means love is God. That's not good. For a simple reason. If I were to say to a woman, I love you for your money, and I want to marry you, for your money. Because you have a lot of money. What's wrong with that? Why is that offensive? You have the money. I like money. <laughs> it's a good shit. What's wrong? Why is that wrong? It's conditional. It's conditional. So is it any better if I say I want to marry you because you're beautiful? I love your looks. Is that a condition? Yeah, because yeah, if you lose your looks. Now, I want to marry you for your personality. Is that better? Getting there? <laughs> okay, I want to marry you for love. That's not a condition. <laughs> that is such a big condition. And listen to all the marriages that fall apart. What happened? No love. So the first thing is when I say I want to marry you for your money, it's a little offensive because it's not true. I say I love you for your money. I don't. I just love the money. I want to marry you for your money. No, I just want the money. <laughs> So when I say I want to marry you for your money, listen to what I'm actually saying. If there was some way that I could get the money <laughs> without having to marry you, that would be perfect. But no, you're not going to let go, right? So I'm going to have to marry you too. So now, imagine a man says, I love everything about my wife. I've actually had a guy say this. I'm doing marriage counseling because they're not getting along so well. And he says, I, I love everything about my wife. I said, something's fishy because she wants a divorce. <laughs> so what's going on here? He loves everything about his wife. So I ask him, do you love your wife? This I just told you. I love everything about her. I said, do you love her? 
He says, what about her? I said, not about her. Do you love her? He says, what does that mean? What does that mean? See, if I marry you for your money, I'm really married to the money. If I marry you for your looks, I'm married to your looks. If I marry you for your personality, I'm married to your sense of humor. And if I marry you for your family, so now I'm married to five things, just not to you. So when a guy says, I love everything about my wife, he's left her out. Because he loves things about her, he doesn't know why she has to come along with it. <laughs> Isn't it funny that the two things that are destroying marriages in America is love and sex? For most people, that's the definition of marriage. What's marriage? Love and sex. That's what's destroying marriage. Because these are things that can change. It's not the person. Love does not bond people. As the Mishnah says, a love that is dependent on something will not last. So what does it mean dependent on something? We're getting married because we both love the same thing. That doesn't bond us. It keeps us separate. There's this thing that we both like, but it's there between us. We're not connecting to each other. Like, you love pina colada and walks in the rain? You're going to get married because you both love pina colada? So you're both married to the pina colada. But you're not married to each other. So if you love the love, I love you, you love me, let's get married. No, you're already married to the love. And that's why if the love goes out, what are you doing in my house? <laughs> Who invited you? The same is true with sex. Sex used to be intimate, and it bonded people. But since the 60s, it's not. It does not bond you, it separates you. Because it's a thing that you both may enjoy. But you're married to it, not to each other. Actually, you know this whole thing with the Me Too? It's a dangerous mistake to think that the problem that's going on in America today is that men don't respect women. It's probably true. <laughs> but it's a dangerous thing to make an issue out of it. It's also dangerous to say it's power, the abuse of power. What are you going to do? Take away the power? So you're setting up a problem that you cannot solve. If men still don't respect women after all women's rights and women's movements and the feminist movement, and men still don't respect women, well, there's only one solution. We've got to live separate lives. Don't ever work for a man. Don't ever hire a woman. Don't ever hire a man. Keep separate. This is horrible. I'll tell you what's really going on. It's not that men don't respect women. It's that women and men have no respect for intimacy. And we did it intentionally. In the 60s, we decided that free love is a wonderful idea. What's free love? It means free, free sex. Free of what? Free of commitment, free of feeling, free. 
recreational. And we all bought it. Men, women, Jews, non-Jews, we all fell for it. It sounded good. Now we're paying the price. Because you can't fool Mother Nature. Intimacy is not free. It can't be. Somebody wrote a book recently called, If It's Safe, It's Not Sex. <laughs> if it's really safe, it's not sex. There's no such thing. It's way too intense. It's way too personal. It's way... So, ironically, and this is really embarrassing, our grandparents had a better sex life than we have? Come on. We've got to bury our heads in shame. We're not happy. We're not. I mean, if we are the free, sophisticated, liberated, uh, cosmopolitan, uh, sexually liberated people, why is Viagra making so much money? Something's wrong. It's not working. So, the things that separate people, even in a marriage, is love and sex. Somebody asked me why I wrote the book. It's because I noticed something in all the years of doing marriage counseling. I noticed a change. I used to do marriage counseling between two people who really didn't like each other, which makes perfect sense. Why do they argue? They don't like each other. Why don't they like each other? They don't agree on anything. So okay, fine. It's you gotta you gotta work out their differences. More late, more recently, I noticed that in good marriages, what we would call a really successful marriage, they have no complaints to each other. And yet each of them will admit that they feel alone in the world. They don't know what to blame it on. They can't complain. Everything's good. But in a quiet moment, they're all alone in the world. And that becomes a health problem. In London, they started a division in the health department that deals specifically with loneliness. Because they found that when people feel alone, their immune system crashes. And they become vulnerable to every illness, every disease. The one thing that marriage is supposed to fix forever is that you're never alone. Even if you're separated by an ocean. You're not alone in the world. There's the other. You belong with someone. Someone belongs with you. You're not alone. And that is a very powerful thing. <clears throat> Where do we know this from? From the Torah. It's the only place you get any sane advice. You read this book called First Kill All Marriage Counselors. <laughs> There's actually such a book. What does it say in the Torah? Therefore should a man leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and become one. That's it. That's the whole story. The only reason you need marriage is to become one with another person. If you love the other person, that's nice. <laughs> Makes it fun. You don't love the other person, you're not alone. At least you have someone to fight with. <laughs> so, you remember Fiddler on the Roof? So, Tavia says to Golda, do you love me? And she says, come on, you remember or not? He says, do you love me? So she sings him a song. For 25 years I've washed your clothes. So he's asking her about love, and she's talking about laundry. 
Is this supposed to be a comedy? Is this supposed to show how backwards they were that Golda didn't even know what love was? No, no. The original story was a very wise story. He was immature, obviously. Tevye is a baby. And he comes to his wife, who is, ha happens to be wiser, and says, do you love me? She says, for 25 years, I gave myself to you. Does that include my love? Yeah, if you have me, you have my love. So for 25 years, I am yours. All you're worried about is love? And then she ends with, And if that's not love, then what is? A poem? An American greeting card? What, what is love if not bonding people? But when love becomes your thing, it separates people. So let's take another look. Purpose of marriage is to become one. Now, we all know that when you get married, it's a reunion of two parts of the same soul. It's your soulmate, which is very nice. Two souls bond, and they become one. But here, we're talking about bodies. Can two bodies become one? Can two personalities become one? So then you hear these slogans, these... these this wisdom. Marriage is all about compromise. If that were true, I wouldn't get married. Get, in, get yourself into a situation where you're going to have to compromise. <laughs> That's crazy. Why would anybody do that? No, you have to compromise. No, thank you. I can't live a compromise. I can compromise for a half hour, but live my life as a compromise? That's insane. And then you have people who go a step further. You know, marriage is a sacrifice. <laughs> no thanks. It can't be. It better not be. There is no sacrifice and there's no compromise. Marriage is a good idea. But how do two people, if they're not compromising, how do they become one? So you have to share every opinion, every taste. You have to have the same political leanings, otherwise you can't be one. You have to have the same philosophy in child raising, otherwise you can't be one. You can never disagree. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound appealing. So here's another thing the Torah tells us that is mind-boggling. That's so true. The first human being, if you remember, I mean from reading, the first human being was created male and female, which is kind of weird. God separated them, and you had Adam and Chava. We assumed for the longest time that that separation was a vast improvement. Now we're normal. What does it mean to be both male and female? That's strange. All separation is unnatural because God is one. All separation is unholy. Holiness is oneness. So when they got separated, it was not an improvement. And it was not natural. They were created as one. That's their nature. So what does a man and a woman need from each other? To become one again. To become whole. Because it's not enough to be male, and it's not enough to be female. Female. 
you have to be both. By marrying and becoming one, you are now one unit that is male and female. How do you become one? Well, since it is our nature to become one, and the separation is artificial and unnatural, all you have to do is remove all things and you will be one. So it's a process of elimination. If you can imagine two drops of water, side by side, two drops of water. Why are there two drops? Water is supposed to flow. What keeps these two drops from connecting to each other? What gives them their shape? Surface tension. So what does that mean? It means if you just breathe on it, just touch it, break the surface tension, there'll be one drop. The same is true between a man and a woman when they get married. Remove the surface tension and you go back to being one. Because it is perfectly natural for male and female to be one person. That's an amazing statement. goes against everything that we learn in psychology. So how do you become one? Eliminate all things. Remember George Carlin's routine about stuff? It wasn't that long ago, come on. Yeah, you remember? He says, why do human beings need houses? What do you need a house for? Because you need a place to keep your stuff. And then you put a lock on the door to protect your stuff when you go out to get more stuff. <laughs> then you need a bigger house. And you put two locks on the door to protect all that stuff when you go out to get more stuff. And eventually you reach a point where you just need to get away. You need to live. So you take a little knapsack, backpack, with the fewest amount of items of your stuff, and you run away. But then you come back to your stuff. <laughs> if we could get past our stuff, if we could get past all things and connect to each other, we would be married. And we would never feel alone. Because that's what marriage does. So, take a look at this picture. Intimacy, which we seem to have lost. Intimacy means the ability to connect to each other without anything in between. Just person to person. What are you connecting over what's bringing you together? Nothing. Just you. Like when people say, why can't you just accept me for who I am? Did you ever say that? Can't you accept me for who I am? I could, if I knew who you am. Tell me who you am, I'll accept it. You don't know. I mean, I accept your personality, I accept your opinion, I accept your intelligence, I accept your looks, I accept your family, your mother, come on, what else you want? No, no, just accept me. What are you talking about? What's me? But that's what we need the most. So if a man loves everything about his wife, no good. He loves things. She needs him to love her. So the first time when I got to Minnesota, straight out of yeshiva, I was about 22. And people are asking me questions that would cross a rabbi's eyes. This guy says to me, oh, I'm getting divorced. I'm done. I don't need this. So like a smart aleck yeshiva bacher, I said, wait a minute. 
you're divorcing her because you don't need this? If you don't need this, get rid of this. Why are you divorcing her? When he said this, he meant her. This is no surprise that she feels alone in the world. So what does it mean to be intimate? To connect to each other, not about anything, having removed all things, so that you're really connecting person to person. Like if you asked your grandmother, maybe your great-grandmother, what happens in the bedroom? Your mother, your grandmother says, nothing. He said, no, come on, tell me, what goes on in the bedroom? Nothing. You think she doesn't want to tell you, but she gave you the right answer. If you want to know what an intimate bedroom is, it's a place where there is no thing, just them. It's just them. Who are you calling a thing? Man and a woman are intimate, and afterwards, he asks her, how was it? How was it? Who let an it into the bedroom? Your grandmother would be very upset. <laughs> a bedroom is a no-thing zone. It's just a place for them, and them are not things. That's pornography. So what has happened to sex is that it used to be intimate. It stopped. It used to be sex. Now it's just pornography. It's just a thing. A thing that you can be better at, less good at. You can have more. You can have less. And every month, if you follow the magazines at the supermarket, Every month, there are 12 new secrets to better sex. <laughs> and you don't know any of them. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I'll tell you a funny thing. Some guy at a, at a weekend is staring at me. And I see he wants to say something. So I go over to him and I say, what, what's on your mind? He says, I was just wondering... Do you sleep with your beard under the blanket or with your beard on top of the blanket? <laughs> he was being funny, but he ruined my sleep for at least three weeks. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I tried it under the blanket. I tried it over the blanket. No. See, you just become a little self-conscious about the most natural thing, and all of a sudden, you can't live. Like people say, how long did it take you to grow that beard? <laughs> I didn't grow it. It grew. <laughs> By neglect. <laughs> so I'm not conscious of it until somebody comes up with this brilliant question. You want to ruin a married couple's life? Just say to them, do you know the 12 secrets to better sex? <laughs> I, I, I'm just curious. You're having pretty good, yeah, pretty good sex? Huh? That's it. You've killed them. <laughs> You've turned it into a thing, and it's going to come between them. And somebody is going to say, how was it? And you're finished. The intimacy is gone. So, when did intimacy become a performance? When did two people merging with each other, belonging to each other, when did that become a, an Olympic event? It's terrible. It's pornography. The intimacy means we can put aside all things, really, all things. We're not that materialistic that we cannot, for a few minutes, rise above things. 
and just enjoy each other for nothing, for nothing. That's intimacy. And when you experience that, you are bonded. You're inseparable. Now, what are these things we have to remove? Everything. If there's a television in the bedroom, you're not going to have intimacy. It's going to distract you. If there's music playing, no good. If the lights are on and you're going to see, you're going to see something, not intimacy. Can't see intimacy. So in order to really have an intimate bonding, husband and wife have to have a sacred bedroom. A room that no thing is invited. A television in a bedroom is a killer. A computer, a desk. Even Fang Shui says, shouldn't have anything in the bedroom. That's because it disturbs your sleep. But I'm talking about something more serious. It disturbs the intimacy. If you're a little angry, you can't be intimate. If you're a little tipsy, you can't be intimate. If you're distracted by thoughts of someone else, you can't be intimate. So to be intimate, you have to remove all things. So imagine, and I say this to people who are completely, you know, steeped in, in the sexual culture. I said, never be intimate with the lights on. There should never be any sound in the room. And you should never talk. And they think about it for a minute and they say, wow, where does your mind go when you're not seeing anything, hearing anything, or saying anything? You bond. You're conscious and aware of who you're with, not what you're with. So there's no such thing as a bad experience. You were together. That's always perfect. Even physically, there was nothing between you. Perfect. So let me sum this up. Love does not do the job. Sex does not do the job. What needs to happen in order for us to simply be healthy, never mind holy, what needs to happen is this. You have to have a place where you belong. Belong. That's a much stronger word than love. Mine, much stronger word than love. Parents should tell their children, you're mine. I hate you. <laughs> but you are mine. Instead, we say, no, no, I love you. The kid just broke every window in the house. And you say, oh, I love you. Kid hates you. Really. Because if you love him when he doesn't deserve the love, that means you're not paying attention. You've dismissed him. The him is no longer significant because you decided you're going to love him anyway. They don't like that. Love is never unconditional. But the relationship is unconditional. I'm your mother forever. And right now I hate you. But I'm still your mother. See, that's how we are with God, by the way. All of this comes from Judaism. It comes from our relationship with God. God doesn't need anything from you. He's God. So when God came to us at Mount Sinai, he didn't say, I can't live without you. He said, I exist fine without you. Like forever. I'm eternal. <laughs> so I don't need you to help me with my existence. So I don't need anything from you or anything about you. But I need you because 
There's just me. And that's not good enough. So he doesn't need something from you. He just needs you in his life. That's what marriage is. So when you have a place, this is your, you belong. This is my home. Another powerful word. And you're in that home with the person you belong to who also belongs to you. So you're doing what you are meant to do, what you're supposed to be doing. The result is you actually experience heaven. Because imagine being in a place and there's no place else you'd rather be. That is so nice and so rare. And you're with someone and there's no one else you'd rather be with. Pretty powerful. And you're doing what you are meant to do and there's nothing else you want to do. So you don't want to be anywhere else. You don't want to be with anyone else. And you don't want to be doing anything else. That's heaven. When the soul goes to heaven, what do you think it feels? <laughs> no place else I'd rather be, nothing else I'd rather be doing. This is my place, a soul in the world of souls. But if a soul comes to heaven and doesn't feel comfortable, that's hell. So if you walk into your home and you don't feel like you belong, that's not heaven. This is what we need to accomplish. When we get married, it's not about love, and it's not about sex, and it's not about taxes, and it's not about helping each other grow. That rarely happens anyway. <laughs> it's about not being just you, because that's not enough, no matter how perfect you are. So you are not there to get, you're not there to take. You're either there to give or to receive. That bonds you, and you're never alone again. And when you walk into your home, there's nothing like it. That's a venue for bringing children into the world. A good intimacy, a true intimacy, is the most welcoming um, invitation for a child to be brought into this world. But if the mother is busy with her issues, and the father is busy with his issues, so that they have to check with each other afterwards and find out how was it, if there should be a child, the child will feel like an intruder. It's like, uh, excuse me? Can I, can I come in? You seem to be so busy with yourselves. So, it's a very different picture than the conventional wisdom. So here's my suggestion. You want to get married? Before you go out with anyone, put the date on your calendar. I want to be married by June. June 15th. Perfect. Next person you meet, before you say anything else, take out your calendar. <laughs> I am scheduled for June 15th. If he says, uh, of which year, <laughs> go home. Got nothing more to say to him. Marriage has to be its own objective. I want to be married. Not necessarily to you, but I want to be married. I'm getting married. 
So women often say, oh, no, no, you can't do that. No, they'll run away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you never give three years of your life to a guy who decides after three years that he has no intentions of marrying you. Never do that. We end up being more married when we're dating than when we get married. You're committed and you're worried and you're, and you're, and you're sharing and you're giving of yourself. And then he says, nah, nah. <laughs> Don't do that. Of course, it works both ways. So, if you're scheduled for June 15th and he has no intentions of being married by June 15th, then you have nothing more to discuss. Even if he's the nicest guy in the world. On the other hand, imagine you sit down by your first date and you say, uh, I'm scheduled for June 15th. <laughs> and she says, hmm, takes out her calendar and says, 18th. I'm scheduled for June 18th. Compromise. <laughs> Work it out. <laughs> but wouldn't that be amazing? A match made in heaven? So really, put marriage before the person you are going to marry. Otherwise, don't marry anybody. Marriage is the most amazing, the holiest thing that human beings can do. Because when you're being intimate, past all things, just you and the other, you are more innocent than before. Because that is your most innocent place. The place where things don't go. So marriage is, is its own objective, its own goal, and its own value. It would be nice to marry someone who doesn't bug you. <laughs> so why do you check him out? Why do you check her out? What are you looking at all these things? Does she have this and does she have that and where's her money? <laughs> You're checking those things out not because you want to marry them. You're checking it out to make sure that it won't interfere with your connecting to the person because the things about the person are fine. You're not marrying those things. That's what our grandparents had. You know, we always say, oh, they were married. In the olden days, they never got divorced. They were married. And everybody said, oh, yeah, sure. They were miserable. They didn't have access to divorce, but they were miserable. Both things are true. They were really married because they married each other. They had each other. Like Golda says, for 25 years, you have me. Never divorce me. Now, the things about you, we need to talk. <laughs> I, I don't like how you do things. Why do you have to be like that? So they bickered, and they argued, and they criticized each other. And by today's standards, we would say, you know, you guys fight so much, why don't you just separate? They would say, are you crazy? Lose each other? Fight about things, but we have each other. And today we're trying to do the exact opposite. I want to make sure that I love everything about you. And you uh, have to come along with that stuff, so I'll put up with you. But I just want the things, the goodies. We need to get married. Married. Not hooked up. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we describe dating? We're so afraid of intimacy. What do you call it when a man and a woman are getting close? We're dating. What kind of word is that? What does that describe? You're doing what? Oh, we're dating. <laughs> you date a dead body. You don't date a living person. So you call it um, going out. 
You going with anybody? <laughs> Am I going? <laughs> what a silly word that is. No, I'm not going. I went already. <laughs> Where are you going? What's with the going? Are you hooked up? That is so vulgar. Were you towing somebody? And then the winner. Are you seeing anybody? <laughs> this guy says to me, I'm seeing this really special woman. I said, that's great. Can I see her? <laughs> no. <laughs> what, why do we use these ridiculous words? Why don't you just say, I'm getting very emotionally involved. <laughs> don't say that. We're getting emotionally enmeshed. Now, you don't want to say that because tomorrow it might be over and then you'll have to be brokenhearted. So to keep it clean, to keep it painless, no, we were just seeing each other. Have you seen her lately? No, no, haven't seen her. There's no drama, there's no broken heart. There's... We were going, we're not going. It's so, it's so meaningless, sterile. It's a, not nice. We're doing this to ourselves and it's just not nice. So get out your calendar. June 15th. Can you imagine if we all got married on June 15th? <laughs> Be a great day on the Jewish calendar. <laughs> So what do you think about any of this? I just had a conversation with a group of teenagers. Let me tell you how bad things are. I tried to explain to them that love is not the be-all and end-all of everything and that actually love is not important. It's not important. If someone is important, you should love. That's where love comes in. Love doesn't make importance. What is important, you should love. And I gave them a little example. I said, if you have a brother you hate, and a dog that you love, and you can only save one of them, who are you going to save? They said the dog. <laughs> If someone is important and you don't love them, they're still important. And if someone is not important, but you love them very, very much, they're still not important. I mean, you got to be really arrogant to think your love makes them important. When you stop loving them, they lose all importance. Come on, what is that? That is nasty. So love is the spice. It's not the steak. It can't carry the burden of a relationship. Now, if you have a place where you belong, and a person you belong to, so that you're doing exactly what you're meant to do, Tell me why you won't love that. Of course you're going to love it. And if you don't, you'll fix it because you want that place. You want that identity. You want to belong. Is that not true? I think it is. Have any questions or comments or um, jokes? <laughs> Anything? <laughs> no? I'll start with a question, but I just uh, also want to thank our hosts. Thank you very much, Brother Friedman. Uh, thank, thank you so much for hosting us tonight. Let's hear it for the end of the And um, I guess I'll start with the question. I feel like people. Uh, 
um, are wondering, so then how do you know who to marry? If you have a deadline as to when you're going to marry someone, so then you can just marry anybody now. You want to hear something really profound? <laughs> when somebody says profound, it means you're not going to understand it. If you can't marry anybody, then you can't marry anybody. <laughs> I'll try that again. <laughs> if you can't marry anybody, then you can't marry anybody. If you can't have another person in your life, then you can't have any person in your life. So theoretically, you should be able to marry anybody. But why ask for trouble? So what you do is you find a person who, for whatever reason, makes you wish that he or she is the other part of your soul. Because you will marry only the other part of your soul. It's been prearranged. Before you were conceived, God decided who you're going to marry. And that's it. It's done. So a woman says, I want my husband to be tall and dark. Um, sorry. He's short and bald. <laughs> Too late. He's already been chosen. And that's who you're going to marry. So stop trying to design him like a Mr. Potato Head. He is who he is. He just hasn't found you yet. Instead, you should be thinking, what kind of a life do I want to create with the person I will be marrying? So how do you know who your soulmate is? Well, you don't. All you need to know is you met someone who you hope is your soulmate. So you marry. If you actually get married, that's your soulmate without a doubt. If it's not your soulmate, it's not going to happen. So don't worry about marrying the right person or the wrong person. You can only marry your husband or your wife. This woman said, I've been looking for, um, to get married. I've been trying for nine years. Where are all the men? I said, that's disgusting. None of your business where all the men are. You're not going to marry all the men. She said, you know what, I mean I'm a man. What, you've never met a man? She said, I mean someone special. You've never met anyone special? Of course you have. They're married, but you met them. She says, I mean the one for me. You see, in three minutes, we went from all the men to the one for me. See how easy it is? <laughs> do it in three minutes. What does it mean, the one for me? There's another way of saying that. My husband. Which means you're not marrying a man. Men and women don't get along. Don't go there. You're not marrying a woman. You're marrying your wife. Find her. You can't marry her if she's not your wife. It's not going to happen. So do you know who your wife is? No, until you marry her. All you need to know is, I really hope this is her, because I want to marry her. If it happens, she's the one. If it doesn't happen, she was never the one. No heartbreaks. Yeah? Well, what about vice versa? Like, you feel living in this society that we're living in, it's like the man is deciding that she's the one, she's the one, she's not the woman. What about the woman deciding he's the one? Like, how often does that really happen that the two souls are deciding that each other are the one? That's the only way it ever happens. Nobody forces you into a marriage. But here's one other thing I want to tell you. The way you decide you're going to marry someone, after you check out all the things, 
and that shouldn't take more than a month. Once you've checked out all the things, now you need good chemistry. What is good chemistry? Good chemistry means not how you feel about him. Because if he's good-looking, nice guy with a couple of dollars, everybody's going to have good chemistry with him. It doesn't prove anything. Right? Good chemistry means how he makes you feel about yourself. You're sitting with a guy, and you find yourself totally comfortable being a woman. You're not self-conscious, you're not trying to prove anything, you're not, it's not a contest. You really feel good in yourself. He's doing that. That's good chemistry. And he is sitting there and he says, wow, I feel great being a man. You did that. That's good chemistry. When the male and the female energies work for each other, that is really good chemistry. So if you find somebody, you like the things about him, and you feel like a woman with him, and he feels like a man with you, that's really good. But today, we got a problem. What is a man? Who's a woman? We don't know anymore. I was speaking at an event. There was, there was a reform rabbi, a conservative rabbi, and we were talking about continuity, Jewish continuity. And they were saying, you got to change this, you got to change that. I said, whoa, 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 we're talking about continuity. <laughs> continuity means do something your grandfather did that his grandfather did and his grandfather did. Then it's continuity. Well, the reformed rabbi got really upset. He said, why did you say grandfather? Why didn't you say grandmother? <laughs> he was an old guy. He's still into woman's lib. <laughs> so I said, you are so behind the times. My grandfather was a woman. <laughs> How dare you assume? <laughs> so we are so confused, we don't even know. But you can't fool Mother Nature. If you feel comfortable being a woman in the presence of this guy, that's good chemistry. Grab him. June 15th. <laughs> if you want to support It's Good to Know in the work of Rabbi Manus Friedman, please visit itsgoodtoknow.org forward slash support to join the community. This is the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, changing your life for the better, one idea at a time. Like it, share it, and leave us a review. Tune in next week for more ideas that change the world. Let's change the world.